Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey, hi everyone. How are we? How are we on this spring Saturday? You'll be listening on Sunday. Hopefully on Sunday I'll be um, changing over my clothes, which is not something that I miss doing when I lived in Florida. It is such it's so annoying. I want to get rid of like three quarters of my winter clothes instead of putting them away. I don't wear them. I don't need them. But anyway, hey, there was a really boring episode of Teen Mom this week. Really boring. So I figure we're going to talk about the news of the week. There was some drama going on. I don't know. We'll figure it out together, right? We'll all, we'll all do this together. I didn't even get three full pages of notes. (laughs) I need some drama to really go down. So what happened this week? Okay, first story. Well, actually, the first first story, which is some exclusive news, I think, because truly nobody has seemed to have posted about this anywhere. By that, I mean, I didn't see it on Reddit or like Teen Mom Shade Room. I didn't really scour the Instagrams. But the other night, I was laying in bed deep in... (laughs) The Wikipedia post for the Duke of Kent, um, (laughs) because I saw a TikTok and he was in it and I was like, wasn't he Duke when he was like really young? And so then I was just like deep in uh, British aristocracy Wikipedia, which, you know, I do because I love historical fiction, especially historical fiction about... (laughs) rich British aristocrats circa late 1700s through mid 1900s. That's really my sweet spot. I actually just started a new, for me, series um, on Audible. It's called the Harley Lady Harley Mysteries, I think. The first one's called A Lady's Guide to Etiquette and Murder by Diane Freeman. It's good. I really like the narrator. It's about a woman that's an American who's rich and she marries somebody with a title, yada, 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 everything you've ever wanted. If you like historical fiction, I mean, I have really specific tastes in what I I want in like an audible book. Uh, I really like a historical fiction novel that's a series so that there'll be a lot of them that I can listen to that I really like the narrator, that it's a cozy mystery. Like, I just, and then, like, especially I need a strong independent woman as the lead. It's just, there's a whole lot of things that I require. And this is, I think so far, I'm on, I'm almost finished a second book, and that's good. That's good news, uh, because I just re-listen to the same things over and over again, as I've talked about on here before. But anyway, where were we? Oh, so I get a text from Cara Berry that says... Mackenzie McKee's on live, and actually I should probably just read you exactly what she said. I get this, I get this text as I said. Mac McKee is on TikTok live complaining again about Kamala and Cheyenne. She said that what she hates about Kamala the most is that she locks black people up and that she was silenced by MTV. Then Kara went on to say, she says that she's had some talks with God and she thinks the truth will come out. Also, she's happy even though she won't be on the show anymore. Um, Then I turned it on and really I was only on, she was only on for like two minutes after I turned it on, of course. And I said to Kara that she said she's off the show. Oh, 
Yeah. She said that she's like politically in the middle and that's really scary times for people like her because she really is in the middle and if she's not allowed to say what she thinks then everybody should be really scared. Just got a really sad text message from my friend and her like nephew is in the hospital and that really just threw my mood off. Oh man. Okay. <laughs> Where were we? Mackenzie McKee. Oh, just being a fucking idiot. But apparently she's not on the show anymore. When people use the Kamala Harris locked up a lot of black people argument and they're Republicans. Oh, does does that get under my skin? Oh, so now you care about criminal justice reform and racism in the criminal justice system? That That's what you care about now? You you so you support so you support having a a totally reformed justice system. Yeah, you support that. She's just such an idiot and I mean I've talked about this. I don't know why it is exactly, but like she just gets under my skin in a way that like nobody else on the show does. You know I hate everybody that's on T Mom. Like I when people are like, Who's your favorite? I'm like, I don't have one. I hate all of these people. So it's not that she's, like, necessarily very much worse. Very much worse is not how you say that. It's not that she's, like, a lot worse than everybody else on the show. And actually, she's probably a better person than many people on the show, just, like, objectively based on, like, domestic violence stuff, right? Like, as far as we know, (laughs) Mackenzie McKee hasn't, like, attacked Josh while he's holding a baby with a machete, for instance, But just something about her, I think it's, like, just she's so ignorant and she's so proud of it and it just grates on me in a way that I can't fully describe. I also think because I followed her for quite a long time when she wasn't on the show, the only, like, I only looked at her stuff, like, purely to snark at it and because there wasn't, like, I wasn't also seeing, like, the nice stuff on the show, like... I mean, when her mom died, I cried. Like, when somebody's on the show, you do at least usually, like, get a little endeared towards them because you're, like, seeing the day-to-day of their lives, right? And, like, the happy moments, the sad moments. But when I was just watching her Snapchat stories, like, we weren't really seeing that. And she used to post so much on Snapchat. I would... (laughs) Seriously, her stories would be, like, a full 10 to 15 minutes long every day on Snapchat. And this was... I believe when you could only have 10 second snapchats she would post hundreds of snapchats every single day it was so crazy and she would say the craziest stuff and her food stuff was always just like next level and uh, (laughs) so I think that's probably a big reason why I really don't have like Mackenzie has like no redeeming qualities to me oh she's just so annoying am I glad she's off the show sure Do I believe that she's off the show? I don't know. I I never really believe, like, that they're off the show or any of this casting news or anything like that until the show is on the air. It just, it's like, they could, I mean, not even them, because Farrah wasn't in the first three episodes of Team Emoji coming back. Like, at any given time, Mackenzie McKee could be back on this show and... I think they want her on the show would be my guess, but maybe they don't. 
Maybe they're just like never going to have her on again and like just never acknowledge her again. It's kind of what they did with Bristol, right? Like she was on for one season. Isn't that such a fever dream that Bristol Palin was on the show Teen Mom and that fucking Sarah Palin? I know I've said this word for word on other podcasts, but every time I remember it, I remember that Sarah Palin was on the show that I recap called Teen Mom OG. I just... Oh, God, it's a lot to remember. But maybe they're just going to pretend like Mackenzie McKee never existed. That would be fun, I guess. I just love that she's like, I'm being persecuted and I'm a moderate. I'm in the middle. Like, what does that mean? <laughs> I would like to hear her define, like, what the middle is. I would. I, I mean, I guess the sad part is, like, if you're not QAnon, you are kind of in the middle with the way that, like, the Republican Party is slipping so far right but Mackenzie McKee is a dummy, as I always say. And, you know, I'm sad that I missed that TikTok live, except not really. And thank you to Kara for your on-the-ground investigative journalism. I was like, oh, well, this will, like, somebody probably recorded this and I'll see it. No, no recording. Just have, I mean, Kara could be totally lying. <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so then the second news story that we're going to talk about is that Andrew and Amber are back in court for custody of James, and he is once again asking this, like, the judge to give him permission to move to California. He did this, I think, almost two years ago at this point. I think James is almost, I think James might be four this, this May, right? Is that right? Because wasn't he one in 2019 when the arrest happened? Yeah. Wow. Okay. So this happened, I think, like two years ago. He wanted to move back to California. The judge said no. And so now they're back in court. He's once again asking to move back. I don't think the judge is going to let him. But they've kind of had like a juicy week in court. Usually you see like... Like, the son will be like, Amber and Andrew, battle it out in court. And then you, like, go on there and they truly said nothing. By the way, it's so funny. All of the son coverage for the teen moms, they'll be like, Amber's new mansion. And it's like a two-bedroom house. It's so weird. The way they talk about these girls' houses is so weird. I Maybe it's because, like, the houses, they're UK sites and houses are bigger in the United States. Just, like, by default so we're used to like bigger McMansions all the time I don't really know what it is but they're always talking about Kaylin's mansion like well she doesn't live in a mansion she lives in a big house but like it's on a mansion that's neither here nor there but this actually was pretty juicy they were in court um Amber or excuse me Andrew's asking to be able to move to Malibu to his mom's three million dollar compound as they're calling it which I'm pretty sure in Malibu, $3 million doesn't get you a compound, um, but it looks nice. They have, like, drone shots of it. It looks pretty nice. There's a guest house, which his sister and her husband live in, and he wants to move there for work. And apparently, like, he has not, well, Amber's attorneys asked him, he has not even, like, attempted to work the entire time that he's been in Indiana. Now, where do I fall on this? I don't know. He is, like, full-time caring for James. Like, do I think it's a huge deal? I'm also pretty sure that Amber doesn't give him child support money at this time. I think her child support is, like, paying the mortgage and the utilities on her house that they still live in. (laughs) Which, that's not, like, a bad trade-off, in my opinion, for Amber either. But apparently, Andrew has made, like, no attempt whatsoever to get a job here. And a big part of the reason he's asking the judge to move is because he has job opportunities in California. 
and basically implying like he's going to do like cameraman work in California. And Amber's attorney got him to admit that the places that he applied to in California aren't even in like the film industry. It's like a real estate agent, an insurance brokerage firm. Like basically you can do this shit in Indiana. Um, He also he's asking for very, in my opinion, very outrageous visitation schedules he so as of right now amber gets to see james three times a week for a few hours at a time i believe she still does not have overnight visits um she sees him monday wednesday and friday now does amber go to all these visits i don't know if you'll remember when he went to california when he wasn't supposed to last year sometime last year he kind of hit back on Amber's petition being like she blew off 20 custody visits in the last couple months. Like, so I don't know if Amber actually keeps all her visits, but that's what she is allowed to have. I don't think they're supervised anymore, but I'm not totally sure on that. So what Andrew's proposing, this is so bizarre because also remember like James is a baby, like having parents live on opposite coasts. I mean, Indiana isn't a coast, but very far away from each other with like a, a small child is hard because like usually a four-year-old isn't going to go to his mom's house for like three months at a time the way like an eight-year-old may do. Like, you know, when you have parents living far away with like a school age kid, usually they'll be like at their other parents' home for like summer break for Christmas break, like, they spend, like, large chunks of time there because it's unreasonable to expect them to have to go back and forth. And what he, so with a, a small kid, that's harder. But what Andrew's asking for is he wants Amber to get three visitations a month for 10 hours at each time. And he wants them to be in California, where he will presumably be living, with Amber being required to go to California for each of these visits. Now, that's fucking insane. That is insane. <laughs> that I <laughs> that is such an uncomprehensible to me like visitation schedule. Once again, though, like if Amber isn't actually seeing James and hasn't been seeing James, I don't know if they were arguing that in court. I nothing I read brought that up, but it's very possible Amber isn't even seeing James because we know that this is what Amber does, right? She doesn't see her kids for long stretches of time. For whatever reason, you know, sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. But three visits a month. So he wants Amber to fly to California for three, vi- three 10 hour visits a month. Non-consecutive is what it kind of sounded like. I mean, I guess what they would do is make it consecutive so she could be there three days in a row and see the baby each time. That's a really, I really don't see the judge allowing that. Um, <laughs> Here's the thing. Usually family courts will rule in a way that favors the parent that's more likely to facilitate uh, like a relationship with the other one. Uh, You should listen if you are a patron. And if you're not a patron, go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. Join my Patreon. I have a trillion episodes on there. And one of them is me and my friend Sauce talking about Kelly Rutherford's custody case this is how niche some of my fucking podcast episodes are but if you will remember she is from uh gossip girl she plays serena's mom and she had like this really crazy custody case in which she was like accusing her 
American children of being kidnapped to Europe. And she went on this like crazy uh, press tour and like the press was just like eating her side up. But really what it came down to is that she was not facilitating a relationship between the children and their father to the point that she got the father deported at one point. She like made a false allegation against him to the State Department. It's honestly such a crazy case. And most people only read like a headline or two about it in People Magazine. So once they were like really find out what happened, they're like, what? <laughs> but I would guess that Amber and Andrew, the judge in their case, is going to have similar leanings, which if Andrew doesn't want to facilitate a relationship between James and Amber, that's reasonable. I don't really see them letting him move. I know in the past when he first asked to move to California, I was like, he should be allowed to. Like, that baby is little. I don't really think Amber sees him. Like, just let him move. His family is there. Now I'm like, mm, mm, I, the the kid is four. If Amber really does see him three times a week and Amber has been stable, then she's entitled to more visitation, right? Well, I guess entitled is not a good word because nobody's like entitled to visitation. But one would think if she is following the rules and the plan set forth by the court that she would be stepping up to having more visits because we're almost at three years since the 4th of July fight happened. And one would think like soon she'd be getting overnights, a couple overnights a month. I just don't really see the judge allowing this. I don't really see Andrew's very compelling reason for moving away and really limiting Amber's uh, relationship with Ann or with James. By the way, Andrew's like a full QAnon person now. <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but he's like deep, deep in QAnon. He's really nutty. Oh, also, it came out that he started like a GoFundMe and in the GoFundMe offered anybody that paid $10,000 could have like a play date with him and James, which is crazy. That's really fucking crazy. Now, you guys know that I have like always been pretty pro Andrew in this. I really think that Amber is a bad mother. A lot of the stuff that Andrew has done, even if it violates a court order, usually when I read his response, I'm like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. I'm, I don't really mind that. I just don't think that this move should happen, probably, uh, based on, like, what we know so far. I also think that it is kind of bullshit that, like, if you've never even tried to get a job in Indiana, like, to go in front of the court and be like, well, I have to move so I can get a job to support myself. Like, that's just not the way it works. You chose to have a baby in Indiana. And, you know, I uh, fully believe that Andrew is a victim of Amber's. But the reality is, is that he lives in Indiana. His baby lives in, in Indiana. And Amber, as far as anybody knows, is following the court order and the custody agreement. So <sighs> I, I'll, I'll be very surprised if this is granted. I would think... This is going to be denied, and they're going to have a change in custody soon with Amber getting more time, would be my guess. Is that good for James? But I don't know. <laughs> it's really hard because we obviously we don't see James on the show, and she not only doesn't show James on the show, but she really doesn't talk about her, him or Andrew, which is, I'm sure, for the best, but it's kind of hard for me to gauge, like, her involvement in James's life, it's hard for me to really wrap my head around it. We see how she is with Leah. 
we know how she was with Leah for a lot of Leah's life, so I assume that's how she is with James. But also, like, Amber is mentally ill, and sometimes people do think, like, I, you know how I always say, like, don't try and apply rationality to, like, the irrational situation. So it is possible that, like, when it comes to James, Amber, like, has a different outlook and a different involvement than she did with Leah, which would fucking suck and be really sad for Leah. But, like, it's not uncommon for that to happen. So I just, I'm not really sure what's going on, I guess is what I'm saying. I'm just not really sure. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, and then the other big drama, we will actually, it's break time, so I'm going to take a quick break, and then we will get into it. So the other big drama of the week was Kale, of course. (laughs) It's always going to be Kale. Of course it's Kale. Oh, also Leah and her boyfriend got a dog. I wonder when they're getting engaged. I think an engagement by summer, and then a wedding by the end of the year. I bet Leah will be married by December 2022. Okay, so this week, Chris got on his podcast. Remember his podcast, the one that Brie went on that's called PTSD, something to do with being a single dad, which, once again, I... Is Chris a single dad? (laughs) I... I don't know. Is somebody a single father when they have their kids for four to five days a month? And also, usually when you have them at your mom's house and she's doing a lot of the caretaking, I would say no. I would say that doesn't make you a single father. I mean, you're a father who's single, right? Like, I think there's a difference between being a single parent and a parent who's single. And in some cases, like, even if there is, like, another living parent that's, like, kind of involved, I still think that person is a single parent. I really don't care if Kale calls herself a single parent. I know that bothers a lot of people, but I don't mind it. She does the majority of parenting for at least two of her children. But Chris, I kind of think if you only have visitation and you don't really pay child support and you don't see your kids that often, uh, you're not really a single dad. Chris is on his podcast and he says that Lux told him that Kale is living with her boyfriend and it's not Malik. If you'll remember, Malik has come up recently like twice. I don't know if I talked about this, but Kale had him on her third podcast, the one where she just fights with people. I don't remember what it's barely famous. I think it's called. She has him on that. I feel like there have to be a lot of podcasts called Barely Famous. So I feel like that's not great branding. Kale um but she has she had him on there recently and they talked about being broken up and also when she gave her deposition she talked about dating Malik and that was why she wasn't filming because she didn't want to show Malik apparently they've been off and on for several years Kale just doesn't like public relationships I kind of believe that um I don't know on one hand I'm like I really don't know if Kale can keep anything private Like, I I really don't know. I think she has, like, a compulsive need to share. I do think that's probably something that should, like, be looked into. People that are on reality TV shows from a young age, like, the amount that they're willing to share, and not just, like, willing to share, but feel like they need to share about their lives, that has to affect your brain, right? And, like, your boundaries and the way that you let people into your life, Um, so like on one hand, I'm like, I don't really know if Kale can keep secrets like that, but on the other, I can see Kale as that person. And this is something I, 
I see in myself. So I maybe I'm just projecting, but it's something I can relate to where even though I'm like very willing to talk about a lot of things, when I am doing something that I shouldn't be doing, especially with like a boy or a girl, like with somebody that I'm seeing, I'm really good at keeping that a secret, like really good at keeping that a secret. Like I am an open book for the most part, like with my friends, my family. But I mean, I've talked about this, like I lived with my ex-boyfriend for like two years and truly like almost nobody knew we were together, (laughs) like because I was so embarrassed because I like knew that we shouldn't be together and that it was embarrassing for me to be with this man. I was very much Ashley, only only this man will embarrass me on TV. (laughs) I was very much living in that space at that time in my life. So I can kind of see Kale doing that, where even though she shares about so much, if she has like a a thing going on that she knows she's going to get a lot of shit for, that has nothing to do with the show. She just doesn't share it. So apparently she was with this Malik guy for quite a while. And Chris is like, that's not who she's living with. Apparently there is a 23-year-old named hold on the Ashley has his name you know thank you Ashley I think her real name is Ashley but thank you to the Ashley for I mean I don't think she really found any of this info herself but she kills dating a guy named okay his name is Elijah apparently he's 23 years old actually is a lot in common with Leah's significant other (laughs) And that he's young and in the military. (laughs) Although this guy has been divorced. Apparently he bought a house next door to Kale's. I have questions. What is the neighborhood that Kale lives in like? Because Kale lives in a big house that I would assume probably would sell for like a million dollars. I don't actually know the market that well where she lives. But let's say her house is in the neighborhood between like $800,000 to a million dollars. This 23-year-old military guy, I'm not really sure how he would afford a house in Kale's neighborhood. But... I wonder if her house is, like, her development has a lot of different size houses. But apparently he was living next door. They started dating. Chris says that Lux told him about this guy. Apparently Chris saw a picture of him holding Creed. And I guess Creed is really, like, stranger danger. He doesn't like to be held by people he doesn't know. So the fact that Creed was letting him hold him is, like, an indication to Chris that they've been together for quite a while. Uh, Chris is like, I'm happy because she texted me today and said, do you want the kids for spring break? So when she is a man, she like lets me see the kids because she's happy and entertained. And when she doesn't, that's when like she gets really controlling with the kids. But like, let's break down the issues with Chris sharing this information, right? Like this isn't his business to share. Like, yes, it's his business because it affects his children, But, like, to out this information, like, is just fucking petty bullshit trying to make more drama. And this is why you can never, like, get in on a side much with Kale versus Chris. Because they both are just so unnecessarily dramatic. And they both just take shots at each other constantly. And they both are just, like, doling out low blows constantly. I mean, I guess, I hope the good thing is that Kale isn't fucking Chris anymore. Because she has new guys. But also, who knows? So Chris is like, I, I just want like to know who's around my child and you shouldn't have dudes around my kid. And my thing is like, it's kind of rich 
for Chris to be like, my kids shouldn't know who you're sleeping with when, like, Chris has a new baby. <laughs> like, are his kids never around her? His kids were never around her. I don't, like, the mom of that baby, I'm not so sure I believe that because that's somebody that Chris apparently had been dating on and off for quite a long time. Although I guess Chris sees the kids so little that it's easier for him. Um, should Kale have a new guy living with her? Of course not. Of course she shouldn't. Of course she shouldn't. Um, does Kale move very fast with guys? Yes. <laughs> we know that to be true because she did it with Javi. She did it with Chris. I think she moves really quick with guys. Um, it's not great if she had like Malik living with her on and off and now this guy is living with her. Apparently, the house that's in his name is listed for rent, which gives people more speculation that this is true, that he's living there. That's a lot for her kids, right? Like, the kids don't need to be involved like this. And, but I I think Kale's worst trait is that she is unable to compartmentalize, like, her really bad behavior. Because one would think, like, okay, she doesn't have... The kids that are, well, the two older boys aren't there half of the time. And then the younger boys go to sleep probably quite early. So couldn't a guy that she's seen come over after they go to bed or when they are with their dad, even though it's not that often. Like, I, but I think that Kale, like, doesn't have that ability. And all of her messiness just, like, permeates her whole life. And that it, like, that is a lot. She shouldn't have multiple guys in these kids' lives, just like nobody should, right? Um, I feel it feels rich coming from Chris to me because I think he's just being a hypocrite here. Like, I don't believe him that he doesn't have girls around the boys. I don't really believe him that he cares about it for that reason. Um, because I think if he really cared about it because of the safety of his children, he wouldn't put it online, right? Or on the podcast. He would address Kale. He would figure some shit out, but putting it online is what makes drama, and he knows that. And if he was really looking for the best interests of his child, he, children, he would be working really hard not to create drama, and clearly he's uninterested in that. So it's rich coming from Chris is all I have to say. So apparently <laughs> Malik saw all of this, Kale's ex, and got mad and started commenting on one of the fan accounts being like, I got played, she played me, um, she's moving too fast, blah, blah, blah. Which, I I don't really have an opinion on that because we don't, at least I don't know anything about Malik, right? Like, I don't know anything about their relationship. Of course, I did not listen to that podcast episode he did with her. I don't know if he got played. I don't know if this was happening really fast because we really, at least I don't know anything about Malik or their relationship. But Kale texted Malik and was like, why the fuck would you post on Team Mom Shade Room, which agreed. And she's like, and you have an NDA, so you could get sued for that shit. It's really interesting the language that she uses because she kind of makes it sound like um, if somebody else would be suing. She texted, you commented on the fucking Shade Room and you signed an NDA, so now you can get fucking sued. <laughs> Like, if he, get, if he gets sued, Kale, it's because you're suing him. The way she said it, like, now there's going to be this consequence that has to happen because you broke an NDA. Like, an NDA is a law or something. It's, it's, it's like the cops are going to come get him is kind of how she's saying it. And that's not 
the case. Malik then countered that by posting a picture of part of the NDA in which it says that the NDA only lasts for a year. If you don't know what an NDA is, it's a non-disclosure agreement. Um, They're very common in business transactions. At my work, I write, well, I don't write, but like I type up NDAs all of the time. Basically, it's just like anything that's said between us, neither of us is allowed to say publicly. Um, They can be used in really nefarious ways. A lot of like the stuff in the Me Too movement came out that like Harvey Weinstein was using NDAs to like silence victims. And that's a really common way for abusers to silence victims because they'll pay them like a monetary settlement and then make them sign an NDA that if they talk about being a victim of this person's abuse at all, they have to like pay back the settlement money. So NDAs can be used really poorly, like really poorly, but also like they, they do help people in certain situations. And Kale, I guess, has been making people sign NDAs for the last couple of years. If you'll remember, this was also a storyline on Vanderpump Rules when Lala and Rand made everybody sign NDAs, which is, it's just silly. It's just very silly. Um, Kale making people sign NDAs, to me, look, on one hand, I'm like, really? Really? But on the other, like, it's probably nice knowing that somebody isn't going to start a podcast specifically to talk shit about you (laughs) the way that Chris has done, right? Like, it's probably nice to have a little bit bit of reassurance. The thing that I find confusing is that the NDA only lasted for a year. That's bizarre to me. Um, I don't know why her attorneys would have a year-long, like a year-long term. That doesn't really make sense. He also only posted like a couple paragraphs of the contract. So I think I'd have to like read the rest of the contract. Not that I really understand them that much, but I could maybe wrap my head around it a little bit if I saw like the rest. It It's weird that you would sign an NDA that terminated so soon when it's an NDA based on like personal information. One would think that the like, the NDA doesn't expire ever when it comes to the information. So I'm wondering if maybe, like, the term of that NDA, like, now anything that he says, like, he and Kale say to one another is not covered under the NDA, but, like, everything that was said at that time is. I'm confusing myself talking about this, but it, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. It If that is what Kale's lawyer did, like... <laughs> really get a new legal team because they are charging you money and not doing what they need to be doing. Because a year, like, that doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Um, Malik also was like, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write a book to, like, expose Kale. Which to me, it's like, well, I mean, that's why she needs an NDA for people. He said, people need to be held accountable for the way that they moved in the way that they've always moved. We're going to address things properly. And I don't care how they feel. If they can't control you or the situation, they're going to call you the bad guy. I'm okay with being the bad guy, but I'm going to tell my story to the public because the public hears everyone else's story and that's okay to do it. Um, you know, here's the thing. Like, when I read that people need to be held accountable, like, publicly shaming Kale isn't, like, holding her accountable. 
nobody really knows who you are. Nobody really knows anything about your relationship. It's like really easy to not be in the public eye at all. It just, it's all, I don't know. It's all like pretty gross to me. Um, But this is like the choices that Kale makes. Like if you are a public figure and you're going to fuck around and fuck over some emotional guys, like a big chance is that they are going to then get on Team Mom Shade Room and talk about you. <laughs> like, it it just could happen. So, Kale's mad, I guess. I would, I mean, is she going to sue? I, can she afford to sue anybody else? Her attorneys are probably going to be like, yeah, you should sue him because I would love to see the billable hours Kale's had for last year with her attorneys. Would love to see that. I'm telling you tens of thousands of dollars she's spending on these attorneys. It's it's insane. It's really insane. But she needs to get a better one if they're only giving her year-long NDAs. <laughs> also, like, imagine, would you sign one? I think I would. I think at this point in my life, if I, like, made a friend and was like, hey, I need you to sign this because I'm a public figure and I really just don't want you talking about this, I think I would probably sign it because I don't, like, if you don't have any intention of talking about them, I can, like, why wouldn't you sign it? But I also can see, like, not wanting to sign it even because it kind of questions, like, your character, right? Like, you don't trust me. But the reality is, is a lot of people are in positions where they truly can't really trust anybody. Oh, Kale. She's so messy. She's so messy. Imagine you're, like, kind of famous and then you break up with your on and off again boyfriend and then he, like, starts a podcast just talking about you. Gosh, that's a nightmare situation. I have a feeling we're not going to hear more from Malik. I kind of think that's like, it's kind of the end of it. You know, I I think he's going to fizzle out. I would bet that he was really mad for a day or two. And then once that emotion wore off, he was kind of over it. I, I think that because I think if he was like super dramatic and super like spiteful, we would have already been hearing from him. But apparently they've been on and off and on the off times he has not come to the internet to speak about her. So I'm guessing he just lost his cool for a little bit and that this will all move on. Now this new guy, I'm interested in that. I'm interested in that. Will Kale put him on the show? Probably not. Um, I don't know if Teen Mom 2 is filming right now. I don't know if anything is filming right now. Remember, supposedly they're combining the shows. I'm still like, I'll believe it when I see it. Because I don't really believe it. Um, We'll see. We will see if Kale will put any of this on TV. If she doesn't, it's like, what are we doing here? Kale is a person with autonomy and she only has to put on TV what she wants to put on TV. But I, I don't understand the point of still employing her if you know that she has all this interesting stuff going on and she refuses to film about it. Because, like, this week's episode was solely about Lux not wanting to go to football. We'll talk about Kale's segment right now. Lux didn't want to go to football. She signed him up for football because he wanted to play football. By the way, it's, like, flag football. Lux is very, he's four still. And he's like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And she's like, well, you have to go because you asked me to sign you up and you made a commitment. You have to follow through with the commitment. And she's like, it's really important to me that my kids follow through on my commitment. I think that's fine. Um, And four is also very young. 
he's not in kindergarten yet, I'm pretty sure. I do believe that it's, like, important to make kids fall out commitments. And if you're, if you spend money on an activity for your kid to do and then they don't want to go anymore, like, I don't think it's bad, especially if they're on a team, right? Like, to still show up for the team. I question that with a four-year-old. I, like, are they really cognitively old enough to understand, like, a, like commitment like that? I'm not sure if that's a developmentally appropriate lesson is what I'm saying. Like, for an eight-year-old, yeah, I think that's important. And you let them know, like, you don't have to play this ever again once the season's over. But when you sign up for stuff, you, like, have to see it through, which is, let's be real, that's, like, not real. Like, <laughs> Like, on one hand, is it an important life skill? Yeah. But on the other, like, when you're an adult, if you don't want to do something, like, you just don't do it. (laughs) And you deal with the consequences of not doing it. But I understand why Kale wants to instill this value in her children. I just question, like, if four is old enough to really get it, or if you just are having this, like, this battle of the wills every week. She's like, he, you don't have to play football, but we're going to go to the game every week and you can either play or you can sit on the bench. And I don't know it. He's can a four year old understand that I guess is what I'm asking. Are any of you early childhood experts? I'm just not sure for like until a kid is maybe like six or seven, if there's value in the like, you need to follow through. Now, I understand if you paid for something and you want your kid to continue doing it, especially because like four-year-olds one week may be like, I don't want to do it anymore. And then the next week have a meltdown because they still want to do it. So I definitely understand like making your kid follow through with the whole thing because you paid money for it and kids are fickle and maybe he'll want to next week. Maybe he won't. But I just, I don't know. Also, like, I feel like Kale talks so much about how much Lux loves football and I'm like well does he does he love football I'm I'm not I'm not so sure we get a scene of him playing in the game and he has like a really long run and when he gets stopped he like runs over to Kale and he's sobbing 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 and it's actually very cute like two of his teammates come up and like pat his head (laughs) I didn't really get what was going on but I think he was just like upset that his turn got ended essentially would be my guess. <sighs> Kale just going on, you know, you have to do this, you have to do this, which is funny because then the episode for her ends, she's in Atlanta or wherever filming the podcast with Lindsay and other people who I did not see the names of, but I recognize them. So they're Kale's friends. I'm just not sure who they are. And they're talking about how the topic is going to be gentle parenting, which is like a big thing on TikTok. If you guys watch gentle parenting TikToks, um, there's this one that there are two little kids. Her kids are named Jonah and I don't know what the older one's name is, but she's like a gentle parenting expert. You, you, I'm sure if you watch a lot of TikTok and you get an algorithm similar to mine, you remember the like, Jonah, why, why did you smash dad's coffee pot? Um, she's a gentle parenting expert, although there is, you know, there is some question in, can you really be a gentle parenting expert if you're putting your children online and making money off of them? Some, many would say no. Uh, but 
the idea basically is you just like you meet kids where they are you accept that they that they are humans um if they're having like a meltdown you let them have the meltdown you give them space then you come back and you ask them what's wrong and you talk it out and I'm not doing a great job explaining it but a lot of the stuff I've seen on gentle parenting makes a ton of sense it sounds really great it's basically just not being an asshole to your kid for no reason and recognizing that like when you work with your kid it is easier to get things done a lot of the time and so they're I guess gonna do a podcast episode on that and they're talking about the kids and which kids are easiest to parent and Kale says her hardest kid is Isaac because she and Isaac are so much alike which I was kind of surprised to hear I was like really are they I, I I don't know. I guess we don't really know the kids that well, their personalities. I would have guessed that Lincoln was most like Kale, but apparently not. She said that Lux is really good with his emotions, that, like, after he has a meltdown, he can go to Kale and say, like, you're making me sad, you're making me upset, which is really great. She says that Lux and Creed are very similar, and Lindsay goes, do you think, do you think that's because they have the same parents? It was just so funny because you could tell she was like, how should I word this? And like, is this okay to say? But Kale was like, yeah, I think it is, which I don't, I don't know. I think that kids all have their own inherent personalities. And I would bet that like the father does not have as, that's like, I don't know. I believe that like kids really have their own personalities that they're born with and then their early childhood experiences like shape those personalities and I don't think that like having the same biological parents like has a ton to do if you and your sibling have similar personalities um but I I can see why Kale wants that to be true because I think Kale is very into the idea of Creed and Lux having the same dad right like I think that was important to her for whatever fucking reason it was important to her. Uh, so she says, Isaac is the hardest to parent. Lux and Creed, she's never really quite sure what she's going to get. Sometimes they're happy. Sometimes they're sad, which sounds like normal kid shit. And they're like, who's the easiest? And she's like, Lincoln Marshall Marquand. Like right away, without a doubt, she's like, he is so easy. He is the best. I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> now, I am not a person that's like, their kids are going to see this. How could they say that? Usually, but, and Kale isn't talking about, like, which one's my favorite. She's saying, like, which kid is the easiest to raise. But something about how enthusiastically she was talking about Lincoln. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, maybe not the best, you know? Maybe not the absolute best. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It all goes back to the fact that her and Javi she says have the same like parenting expectations for their children which I guess is like I think that what it is is that Lincoln is probably just an like an easygoing kid who likes the things that he likes a lot so it's easy to cater to his interests so it's like like Lincoln really likes football so they just have him playing football all the time so he's happy and I think what's probably harder for Kale is the other kids don't have such a one-track mind when it comes to their hobbies. So she's, like, always trying to figure out what they like and what they don't like, and I think that's probably hard for her. Ugh, that's it for Kale this week. 
Um, let's talk about Jade next. I'm not sure how I feel about Jade and Sean. So this episode starts out with Jade letting us know that she's going to visit Sean in Texas. Uh, her friend Chow is, I don't know how you say her friend's name. I'm sorry. I swear they've not said her name out loud. It's C-H-A-U. Chu Chow. I feel like such an asshole right now. Um, if anybody knows how to pronounce her name phonetically, could you please let me know in the comments on my Instagram or message me, whatever. I want to say her name correctly. But Jade's friend is going to go with them, which, okay, it's kind of weird. <laughs> this is like, it's kind of a weird thing to bring her a friend for. <laughs> She's like, to help with Chloe. I'm like, do you need help? Like, I, I don't know. She's bringing her friend, but apparently Sean's counselor called Jade and suggested that Sean stay for an extra month. And I guess they, it's unclear because Jade's kind of talking out both sides of her mouth with this. On one hand, she's like, I'm just telling the counselor he should do whatever he should do. Like, that's what he needs to do if that's what they recommend. But then her and her friend are talking. She's like, well, it's really hard for me when he's gone. And it it's such bullshit because I have to do everything by myself. And her friend is like, he's been gone for so long. And it's kind of making it sound like she's not okay with it. So I was a little confused. But when they're on their way to the airport, which did you notice that they the whole time were driving around in Uber Blacks? Was I the only one who noticed this? Because a Cadillac picks them up with a guy wearing like a suit. Then at one point they're in like a Yukon XL, like... Jade spend it. I think Jade spends money. <laughs> I think Jade likes to spend money. If you notice, she like always has a new luxury car. Jade girl, go see a financial advisor. You have a really amazing opportunity to make money, but save it. Save it a little. I wonder if she pays her taxes. <laughs> I have a feeling that Jade will will see like a a Jade getting hit with a tax thing. I mean, almost all of them have at this point, right? <laughs> So Jade goes to Texas and, or on the way, she gets a call from Sean's counselor, which it's kind of a weird conversation. He's like, you know, last night Sean was really high anxiety when he got off the phone. And because we didn't see the conversation before that they're talking about here, and Jade's not really giving us like a very clear picture of what was said, I'm a little confused as to what side Jade's on and even what side Sean is on because the counselor's like I need to make sure that you and I are on the same page that Sean is not allowed to come back to your home which to me sounds like Sean is mad that they're having him stay another month which makes sense right like 90 days is a long time and then to think that you're going home and then like they're like well you should really stay another month I my guess would be is that they're telling him not to go back to Indiana at all. I would bet a lot of money they're telling him not to go back to Indiana at all. And that if he does, he should go to a sober living house. I would bet $100,000 on this that they have told him absolutely should not be going to Jade's house. Because he shouldn't, right? Like, you have the best success. Like, the longer that you're a treatment and the longer that you're in it, like a treatment environment, the more success you have. Like, that's what every study shows. It's why 28 days, like, does not work. Um, I mean, I guess it works for some people. But the longer people are in treatment, the better chance they have at staying sober. And so 
I'm sure that they're telling him, like, you should stay here and go to, I bet they have sober living houses that are in the area. I would bet they run their own IOP, which is like outpatient stuff. I would bet they have a whole system and a whole network in, I think they're like outside of Austin. Because if you remember, like, Butch stayed, uh, what's her face, Amber Baltier stayed after she went. I would bet that there's like a a recovery community there and their sober living houses and if they're like you should just stay here which is like essentially what I did in Florida right where when I was deciding if I was gonna go to Florida or not for well I wasn't even really I like heard somebody say they're going to Florida and I was like I want to do that too but before I knew that was an option it was like I was gonna go live in a sober house in Philly which <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people go to this place called Levittown. That's where a lot of sober houses are in my general area. I mean, it's far from me, but that's where a lot of sober houses are. And my counselor was like, there's this really good one in Philly. It's like a lot of older women. I think you'll fit in better there than some of the places in Levittown. Um, Basically, treatment centers like never want you going home. And of course, there are people that like, it is not really an option for them to go to sober living for a million reasons. A lot of people can't afford it. They have a house that they pay a mortgage on and they like have to get back to it. They are married with children and it's just not realistic that they can go even more time living away from their family. I think what the treatment center would argue in that case is, isn't it worth being away a little longer? And when you're in a sober living home, you are out and about, you go to your job, you'll be able to see your family way more often um what they would argue is that like isn't it worth it to be away for like two more months if you're going to stay sober and if you go right home and you start drinking again you have to do all of this over anyway or you may die basically their thing is like as long as you can be in a treatment environment you should be and it's worth it and everything else in your life can be on hold and (laughs) This is a hard mentality because it's one of those things where it's like, they're right that everything in your life can be on hold when you're getting sober. Because if you go back out and you die, nothing matters. (laughs) I don't, that sounds so callous, but like, it's true, right? Or if you get back from treatment and you start using right away and you have some like major consequences, like you get arrested or you get into a really bad car accident or just a number of things that happen when you are in active addiction. They're right. Like, you will lose everything. The old saying is, like, everything that you put before your sobriety, you'll lose. (sighs) I don't love when people, like, throw that at me with almost a year sober. I'm like, yeah, I fucking, I I get it. Like, I, I know how to manage this. But I do think there is a real case to be made in early recovery. And you see this all the time. Like, people get some time. They start feeling good. They go back to their families. Or even they do go to the sober living, but then they move to an apartment quickly. They get a job. They're making money. uh, They're so busy. Everything's busy. They're doing so good. They get into a relationship. Everything's so good. And then like pretty quickly they relapse and they lose all of that. So the treatment center's argument is like, isn't it better to do it the right way now than to like cut this short, go back and possibly relapse and lose it all anyway, which is true right? Like, that's not an untrue mindset. It's just 
not that realistic for most people because most people just can't conceptually think of their lives that way. And they're like, well, I have to go back to my job because my job, I was able to take FMLA, like I have six weeks or whatever that I'm, they're holding my job. I'm not getting paid. I have no fucking money and I have to go back to my job. And that is a really reasonable thing. And once again, what the treatment center would be is like, okay, but if you relapse, like you're going to lose your job anyway. (laughs) It's really, it's kind of hard to like get into that mindset. And it is that I have to get back to my life mindset, like is really bad for people in early recovery, right? Like it, it does harm a lot of people. But also it's like, that's the world we live in. Like I was able to do what I did because like I had parents that were like floating the bill for me to do it, right? Like I didn't have a job <laughs> when I went to treatment. I didn't have an apartment. I was living with my dad. I I mean, I had a car, but like I wasn't in school. School was over. Like I truly had nothing going on in my life. And so it was easy for me to go to treatment for however many days I was in treatment up here for like 30 days then go to treatment in Florida for like six weeks and then just stay in Florida and go to a sober living house like that my dad then paid for for a while. Like that was very easy to me. Just get a job down there. Like I wasn't leaving anything. I had no kids. I didn't have a husband. In fact, I like knew I had to get away from my ex-boyfriend. Like I knew I physically had to be thousands of miles away from him or else we would never break up. That was like really the main reason I went to Florida and a big reason that I stayed in Florida because I just like wanted to be away from him. But most people like adults don't have disposable lives like that, especially when it's your first time in treatment. The reality is a lot of people have been to treatment multiple times by like the third time their lives start looking a lot more like that, right? Like their lives are a lot more like I don't have a place to live. I'm not allowed to see my kid. I'm not in a relationship. I don't have a job because each time you're relapsing, things are getting worse for you and your life is getting worse. But for a lot of people, they're like, I have to go back to my life. And I mean, I have friends. I had one friend who was in Florida for a year. She had a daughter who she lost custody to and her, like her in-laws had the baby. I think she was like two at the time. And after a year, she was going back to where she was from in order to like start the process of getting custody back. And I remember thinking like, I don't know if she's ready, but I also understand why she has to go. And if she didn't have the daughter, I'd be like, you're out of your fucking mind to go back there. But she had the daughter. She had to go back there. She didn't she didn't have custody. She had to go back to where her daughter lived and follow all the rules and regulations of that state and that that court that she was in. She couldn't just bring the daughter to Florida. Right. Like that wasn't an option for her. And you know what? She did it. She got the baby back. It's been years at this point. She never lost custody again. I'm very proud of her. She really did it. Like, she fucking did it. Um, So for a lot of people, it's just not an option. I think Sean probably falls in the middle of this, where he probably can't stay in Texas because of Chloe. Uh, I would say he probably could, but I can understand the argument. Um, He should absolutely not be going back to Jade's house. He just shouldn't be. There's nothing for him there, right? Like, there, he doesn't have a job. Like, he doesn't need to be living with Jade. They have a very volatile relationship. Obviously, it's like he has been able to successfully use around her before. You guys know that I've always kind of questioned what Jade does. Um, I don't think Jade's a drug addict by any 
definition. Like, I really do not believe that to be true. I would guess Jade smokes a lot of weed with him, maybe sometimes takes pills. I don't know. It's just kind of always been what I suspected. I've definitely talked about this in the past. So is Jade smoking weed at the house? Is Jade drinking at the house? We know Jade drinks. And, like, is Jade willing to, like, take all of that stuff out of her home and out of her life and create, like, a safe environment for Sean? And I don't know if she is. So really, to me, what would be the best solution would be for Sean to go to, like, a sober living home in the general area in which Jade and Chloe live. I'm so off track on to like the actual recap of this. Oh, the counselor calls and Jade is like, well, I don't really know if like, I I don't really know what's going on. And he's like, I just need you to be on my side or like, we need to be on the same side. And Jade's like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't really talk about this right now. And when she hangs up, she's like, I feel like I was just getting scolded, which I actually got. I got what she was saying. I agreed. That's another hard thing, right? Like as a counselor, when you're like a drug treatment counselor, it can be really hard to navigate these family relationships because you're, you want your client to stay sober and to stay alive and you want to help your client the best that they can. But oftentimes they're like in really dysfunctional environments and you're like trying to work with their spouse or their parents and their spouse isn't willing to like set the boundaries needed. But at the same time, like Jade doesn't have to do that. I don't know. I don't really know like what Jade wants from Sean. I don't really know why she wants Sean around. (laughs) I don't, I don't really get it because as I've said, it doesn't seem like Jade likes him very much. It just doesn't. It doesn't. Um, So they go and it's like they, they have a nice visit. It was actually very sweet. Chloe like runs into Sean's arms. She's like giggling so hard, laughing, laughing, laughing. She looks so cute. Jade looks happy. Sean looks great. He looks so good. The best we've ever seen him. I'm looking forward to like seeing the rehab stuff and him coming home. Definitely curious how that's going to go. I really hope he's still sober because I think Sean's doing dope. I don't know if they've ever said it specifically, but I think Sean has like an opioid problem. Although it could be meth. They do live in the Midwest. But like, I I don't want to see Sean overdose. And so I really, I hope that he is doing better. And I hope that he did take the suggestions of the treatment center. The other complicated thing is that like there are bad sober living homes and yada, yada, yada. I just, I hope for Sean and Jade's sake and Chloe's sake that they listen to like the people that are getting paid to advise them on what to do. (laughs) I don't think Jade, I would bet that Jade isn't willing to like look at her life and her part in almost anything and like evaluate how that affects Sean would be my guess. Uh, Okay, let's talk about Brie. Actually, I really don't want to talk about this. There's truly nothing to talk about. Stella was having heart issues. If you'll remember, she was born with two holes in her heart. She was saying her heart hurt and her heart was beating fast. So they took her to the doctor. The holes have closed up, which is great, but they're not really sure what's going on. So she's going to have to wear a heart monitor for a month. Which is a lot. It sells four. It's a lot to keep on a four-year-old. She's like, Lewis isn't coming. I guess Lewis said he wasn't coming because MTV was there. And she's like, but he doesn't come when MTV isn't there. So Lewis is such a deadbeat. Such, such, such a deadbeat. Okay, let's talk about Ashley. Another one where I'm like, what do you want from your spouse? 
Okay, I don't know if we've heard Holly speak recently. You guys know I've always been obsessed with Holly. I've always thought that she had such an incredible vocab and a very clear voice. I swear to God, in this episode, she sounded like an eight-year-old. Like, and I don't even mean, like, in her vocabulary. Her voice was so clear. She did not have a baby voice at all. She's so fucking cute. She gets in the car and she's like, Mason said he wanted to marry me. And then she tells Bar that, like, when they get home. And it's just, it's very cute. Uh, Ashley keeps saying, like, she wants to work on her marriage, but she can't because the court stuff is hanging over her head. And once again, the court stuff was there when you got married. The way she's talking about this is, like, we got married, things are good, a bunch of shit happened. Now, I don't really know what direction I want to go in, and we can't really know until, like, all of this shit gets cleared up. But, like, you got married knowing he had a fresh charge, knowing he still had not dealt with the DUI. Like, what are you talking about, girl? What are you talking about? That's that's what irks about Ashley so bad. Ashley is truly acting like a victim of circumstance. Like, she had no part in this whatsoever. She has no idea how she got here. She has no idea how this happened. Bar's just a mess, but she has nothing to do with it. And I'm like, well... You married him. (laughs) You married him. Bar has court and Ashley's like, I don't even want to hear about it, to be honest. She's like, to be honest, I just don't care. I have more things to worry about. And I'm like, really? (laughs) I guess because they know if he goes to jail, it's only going to be for a couple of weeks anyway. That must be it. Because to me, at least, like, if my husband was going to jail... I think I'd be concerned. (laughs) I'd probably be going to court with him, wanting to know what's going on. Ashley, not so much. Not so much. But yeah, now that I'm thinking about when I was watching, I was like, that's weird. Now that I'm thinking about it, it's probably because she just knew, like, what's two and a half weeks of going to jail? Like, you can go do two and a half weeks in county. Figure it out. That I get. So Barr has court and Barr says, (laughs) the producer is asking him, like, what he thinks is going to happen. And Barr's like, you know what? I'm not going to fucking lie. I'm just tired of talking about this. He's like, I don't mean to downplay it, but it's not like I did a murder. This isn't a murder case. Just let me go to court and see what the outcome is. (laughs) This isn't a a murder charge. Like, get over it. (laughs) Oh, but that's what happens when you're on reality TV and you get arrested multiple times, Barr. You talk about it. The producers are going to ask and ask and ask and ask. Uh, We get another scene of Ashley at her salon. Once again, what was she? Was it eyelashes? I thought it was retail. Mm, Is that open? I don't know. Well, mm, I question anybody who opens a salon that doesn't have, like, that isn't a cosmetologist. You know, like, is Ashley really going to be doing people's lashes? Is that really what she's going to be doing? I'm not so sure. I wonder what's going on with Kate's microblading. I haven't checked in on her in a while. I wonder if she started again since having the baby. I hope so. She was good at that. And she seemed to enjoy it. So, once again, we just can't work on our marriage until the whole whole court situation is behind us. Which, once again, why not? Why, why can't you work on your marriage? Like, also, like, if... I mean, there's the whole other charge. But at least for the DUI charge, like... If he's going to jail, it's for a couple weeks or even a couple months at most. But, like, 
You can deal with a couple months. What do you mean you can't work on your marriage until the court stuff is behind you? Yes, you can. Of course you can. That That's such a weird, like, we can't make any decisions on getting better until we figure this one thing out. It's like, well, I don't think that's necessarily true. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. So Barr goes to court. He gets home. And basically, the judge gives him two options, which is he can either turn himself in, like, April 14th and do two weeks, I think he said. I don't know if he actually said the time because I didn't write it down. Or he can, like, a month after that, he has the option of turning himself in for, like, a work program, which I guess is, like, community service type of things, like picking up trash. He's like, as much as I don't want to do it, I'll probably do the work program. I was kind of like... Maybe you should just go to, like, if it's only a couple weeks, like, maybe you should just go to jail and deal with it real quick. You know, how long is, I want to know how long the work program is, how much you have to commit to the work program. I have questions about the finer details of this. Barr, once again, he's just happy for it to be behind them. And he says, you know, I just, I just want people to see the good in me. He's like, I make music. I take my daughters for, I take my daughter for walks. I do a whole bunch of positive stuff. Not really. <laughs> he makes music and takes his daughter for walks. <laughs> That's his positive contribution to the world. I, for one, just want to know what's going on with that gun charge. Because a little DUI is not a huge deal, right? But do you have a felony gun charge? Because that's a big deal. That's a big deal. And I want to know what's going on with that. All right, let's talk about Leah, who... Is she living in this townhouse full time? Did she sell? What is going on with that old house? (laughs) Remember, we're moving to this townhouse because it's closer to town, but we're still going to be in our old house. Is it just sitting empty? Did she sell it? Like, what is going on? I mean, I think now she might have sold it. But at that point, she was just living in that townhouse for a couple years with that paying for a rent and a mortgage. I, I don't really get it. So she's... Letting us know that she's going to be taking her real estate exam soon, which I don't know if that ever happened. We know that she's not currently a licensed real estate agent in the state of West Virginia, at least according to, like, the online database. I I don't really, Leah, is real estate really the best idea? I just don't think she's a saleswoman, you know? I think there are other options. (laughs) She's FaceTiming with Jalen, and... Basically, they have some bad news in that the job that he, like, put into transfer for, that I guess there is, like, a branch in Charleston where she lives. He's going to have to go to Morgantown, which is two hours away from them. It's, like, they're still going to be long distance. And Leah's, like, upset about it. And she's, like, you know, long distance is really hard. I just don't want to do long distance. Um, (laughs) Leah... (laughs) You're in a lot. You found a man that lives out of state. What do you mean you don't want to do long distance? This has always been Leah's issue, right? Where she will date these guys who are upfront about their lives. This is my reality. Leah's like, okay, 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 okay. And then they're in the relationship and she's like, I don't like this fact about you. It's very much Jeremy in the oil, right? Like where she's like, well, I want you to quit. I don't want you to do this anymore. This sucks. And he's like, well, this is my job. And you knew I had this job. It's kind of feels the same with Jalen and like in her timeline that she's telling us this on the show, her and Jalen have been dating 
for like a month and a half and we're supposed to be like believe that they already have like this thought out plan of how he's going to move there. I Oh goodness. Jalen's like, you know, Morgantown is closer than, oh, actually Leah says this. She goes, you know, Morgantown is closer than Augusta where he's living now. She's like, it might just be hard to see each other. Like I've got three kids. I've got this stuff with the real estate. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, you're busy. You're busy with your real estate gig, Leah. So, Victoria comes over to talk about it. Victoria's all dressed up. She looks good. And it's really a weird conversation because they're talking about the fact that Leah can't move because of the kids. And Victoria goes, yeah, you can. And Leah goes, no, not until the girls are 14 and they're 13 now. What? They're, They're 12 now when the girls are 14 and then she lets us know that like when the girls are 14 they're allowed to say where they want to live and she doesn't want to do a court battle until then um i ex- hold on <laughs> she just thinks that the girls at 14 when they're in high school when they've been in the same schools like all of their lives and they live with their dad 50% of the time that they're going to want to move two hours away with her. I mean, now Jalen lives in Charleston, so it's not on the table. But I was really surprised by this conversation that Leah on TV was fully saying that the girls will want to move with her when they're old enough and they're allowed to tell the court where they want to live. Is that a true statement? (laughs) I think they love their dad and living with him. I don't know, though. Maybe there are a lot of rules at Corey's house and they get tired of it. I could believe that to be true. I was just surprised to hear her saying that. Because I feel like she's gotten better at, um, well, I guess she did have that time where she was shitting on Miranda recently. But she's gotten better at implying that, like, she's the real parent and Corey isn't. (laughs) I feel like we haven't, like, had that in a while. So I was just kind of surprised to hear that. Uh, Jalen is here again. Is that his matte black Porsche Cayenne? That thing is so fucking ugly. What the fuck is that car? That thing is so ugly. And they're going to talk about him moving. And Leah's like, I'm just really upset because you're we're still going to be long distance. You're still going to be far away. And Jalen's like, well, I don't, I don't understand because, like, we're going to be closer to each other. And Leah goes, well, why not just stay in Georgia instead of going to Morgantown? He goes... Because Georgia's eight hours away. Now we're only going to be two hours away. And she goes, it's still driving. (laughs) This was a weird conversation. This was like Jalen was not that happy with her. He's like, it's not remote. Like, this is what it is. And you need to stop being so negative. Basically, he's like, you're just considering all of the bad things that could go on. And you need to stop doing that. Leah. Don't get with a guy who doesn't live in your town if you need him to live in your town within a month of dating him. (laughs) It's not reasonable. She's like, well, my kids just love you so much and they're going to be so upset if something goes wrong. The way that she acts like her kids are the main reason. It's very much. Remember when Amber would do this with Matt when she'd be like, Leah will just be so upset if I'm not with Matt anymore. I just, I don't love her being like, 
we can't break up because it's going to hurt the kids' feelings because the kids love you so much. Like, why are the kids like that involved in your relationship, huh? Why are they so involved? Because even if they do love Jalen, like, first of all, they shouldn't love him. It has not been long enough. It has not been long enough. But even if they do really like Jalen, like, if he's, if they break up in a month or two, the girls still would have only have known him for a couple months. Like, it won't be that big of a deal. Like, the way Lee is talking about this, it's like she's worried about splitting with someone that she's been with for 10 years and, like, what that will mean to her daughters. But she's been with this man for a couple of months. It's so bizarre. She moves so fast. Jalen is upset by this whole thing, which I found interesting. He's like, why are we mourning right now? We should be celebrating. I'm moving closer. I think it also goes to show how fucking selfish Leah is because she is not the one that does any of the driving, right? Like, she doesn't go to visit Jalen, which makes sense. She has the kids. It's harder for her. He comes to her, like, every weekend, apparently. He's driving eight hours. And she, I understand, like, being upset because you think you're going to be close and two hours still is long distance absolutely like I I get it but the fact that Leah like isn't at all being like oh well you know at least we'll be able to see each other a little more you can come every weekend now it won't be as exhausting for you to be driving the eight hours back and forth like she doesn't seem happy at all because it's not going exactly her way and I'm like can you like, get a little perspective here. I did kind of almost feel bad for Jalen. I mean, not really. Almost. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay, that's it for Teen Mom this week. If you want to hear more from me, go to my Patreon, patreon.com slash Liz Explains. I talk about everything on there. Last week I did Mommy Dead and Dearest. This week, I'm not totally sure what I'm doing this week. Maybe Kardashians. I don't know if I've ever done a Kardashians episode, which feels... I mean, I probably have. That doesn't feel right. But I've not done one in a long time. And there is that new season. So I've been kicking around the idea of Kardashian's episode. Maybe, maybe not. Until then, I will talk to you later. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.